Whether you believe it or not, you are a leader in your everyday life. Whether it's within your family, in your work environment, or even online, you can and will affect change in those around you. Join me in conversation with authors, professors, and leaders so together we can learn all things regarding leadership and life. I'm your host, Fernando Carrillo, and welcome back to another episode of London's Leadership Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to London's Leadership Podcast. Um, Today, we're going to look at how we can lead with care in a tough world. And we're going to speak today with Bob and Philip. And why don't you guys tell us what is the philosophy behind your book, Leading with Care? Sure. Thank you, Fernando. We're happy to be with you today. Um, Philosophy of the book uh, is that the idea of caring is not a term that's often used in leadership circles. There are other terms that are used, but caring is not but we think it's so important. And it has to do with the the ultimate engagement of people. And what inspired us to write this book in the months before the pandemic started, we began doing the research and we we, uh, came across some very stunning statistics about employee engagement, people engagement. And Gallup came out with some statistics that, that can be summarized In the following way, they said that um, in their research, 15% of employees and organizations are truly engaged. Only 15%, which is really quite shocking, actually. And 70% of employees said they would work harder if they felt more respected. And 70% of leader uh, of people said that their leaders didn't have the communication skills to lead. And we put those all together, 15, 70, and 70, and think about the uh, contribution loss from people who feel that way and the opportunity to improve productivity and results and job satisfaction we thought that was right in the center of this idea of caring leadership. And if leaders cared more about their people, and we'll talk to you about what that means, uh, that would improve those statistics. And if we could move them just a little bit, the performance and productivity and contribution would, would increase in amazing ways. That's really good. I, thank you so much for, sh- for sharing the philosophy behind the book. And I think it's crazy to think that only 15 people, 15% of people are, are truly engaged. And, uh, and I hate it. I hate seeing that in teams, in organizations, in things that I'm involved in, because I want people to flourish. I want people to make a difference. I want people to, f- to, to feel like what they're, what they're taking, taking part in is contributing to to making positive change in some way, in some aspect. So I think leading with care is super important. And, I, and the first thing I think of is that I just, I just think, I, don't, I wonder if anyone thinks that then, if anyone initially would just say, oh, well, obviously I care for people. Obviously I'm leading with care, but in practice they're not. And, I, and, I, and I'm sure I'm, I'm guilty of that all the time. So I just think we should just get into it. How can people lead with care in a way that's meaningful, in a way that's transformative, in a way that helps people truly engage with what they're involved in? What's the first thing you guys would say? Well, the first thing I would say is that leaders have to do a much better job at coaching. And coaching is, a, is an easy word to say, but a hard word to do. 
And uh, coaching means you have to meet the people that you're working with at a spot where they are and help them through the problems and the barriers they face. That doesn't mean you're gonna do the work for them, but they have points of view about barriers and other things that are in their way. And the question that I always use with, with people in a coaching environment, the most important question is how can I help you? How can I help you through the struggles that you have? How can I help you through the barriers that you perceive? How can I help you learn more about the skills you need to have to step up to the responsibilities that you're facing? And real good one-on-one -on -one conversations with people are so important where you're listening to their concerns, responding in an active way, and allowing them to tell you where they are at and how they can improve with some help from the leader. And I think we need to do a much better job at that as leaders. And I think you're right. And the first thing that I can think of, I can hear managers and leaders thinking, well, I'm having my one-to-ones, they're in the diary, I'm doing it. I, I, I don't see where I'm dropping the ball here. What, what would you say are some of the telltale signs that le where, where leaders are probably missing, miss, just dropping the ball with their coaching of their teams? Like, what are things that people do that, that probably they don't even realize they're doing? That means that they, they're not coaching their teams in a way that's leading with care. Well, I think you can look at it from the outcomes. They're not as motivated and engaged as you just said. That's one thing. But if you're looking at your own behavior, um, I think you have to look at and say, to pick up on the line that you said before, which is extremely important. They think they're leading with care, but they're really not. And so Bob's question about uh, saying, how can I help you? If you're not talking about what's in their world and you're only talking about coaching on how to be better from, from the perspective of the organization, then I think that's a telltale sign that you've, you've fallen into the trap of you know, thinking you're leading with care when you're really not, which may be a subtitle that we, should have, uh, we could have put in there, Fernando. I, th I think that's really interesting because I think um, I'm just thinking about me. <laughs> um, and I think in, in my conversation, I think, well, I'm having the one-to-ones. I'm coaching them. I'm asking them questions. I'm, I'm really, I'm interested in them growing. But, but how much of that is really for my benefit so that my yeah. team succeeds rather than how much is it really for you as an individual, for your, for your goals, for your dreams, for you to just grow? I just want to serve you irrespective of, how you serve me, I want to serve you. It's so interesting, just a change in, in mindset as you go into those conversations that I think are so subtle that we don't quite realize. Yeah, it's very subtle. And uh, that's the subtlety. In the book, we talk about visible and subtle practices. It's the subtle practices and learning that you go too far with uh, your own directive discussions with people and now you're not listening enough. One of the one of the telltale signs is how much is the leader talking and how much is the leader listening and put the time clock on it. Brilliant. You should be listening at least as much as you're talking. If not listening more than you're talking, then you're coaching. And Fernando, I think you could take that Brilliant. to the next okay. step because you could say, if you've got a checklist of things that you got to get through, if you're so driven by that checklist in the coaching environment, you're really not listening to what the other person said because you may not get through the whole checklist. 
Yeah, that's really, really good. Okay, so for all our leaders, the first thing that we could do to lead with care is to develop the right coaching rhythm and, and, to, and, to, and to go into that meeting, not trying to take up all the space in the room, but to be there to really listen to our team's heart, listen to their desires, listen to um, really what they, they need, not, not using that time to get out of them what we really uh, want. Well put. Um, great. So the first thing, improving our coaching rhythms. What would be the next thing that you guys would say on how we can Well, the second thing we, we are isolated was to robustly communicate about the things that matter. And the phrase things that matter is strategically ambiguous because what matters to one group may not matter to another group. And they have things that matter to the organization. But by melding the two, by melding what matters to the organization as well as what matters to the individual, which is why we started with the coaching, I think that's where the magic occurs. And the magic occurs when you can synthesize what, what the desires of the individuals are with what the desires of the organization are. Um, that's the real part of the robustly communicating uh, that's really uh, critical. And I always uh, say that there are two channels that every employee listens to. Uh, the two channels are always the same. In the United States, we have the, we have, they all start with W, but I call them WIFM and WIFO. WIFM is what's in it for me. And the other one is WIFO, what's in it for the organization. So if you're as a leader are not broadcasting on both of those channels, then you're not, you're not really leading with care you're uh, doing something that, that stands in the way of leading with care and not uh, allowing us to empower people in the powerful ways that we've been try we try to outline in the book. I, it's so interesting that you say that actually, because this is one of the things that's come up for me quite recently in, in, in quite a few conversations that I've had. And, um, and I've noticed that mo mo most often, like disengagement happens because not necessarily because people don't want to execute or don't want to do the best for the, the team or for the organization. It's because they don't actually know what's expected oh. of them. And, and they, and they don't know, um, they don't really know in detail what they're su like supposed to be doing, which sounds, which just sounds crazy. And I think leaders sometimes say, well, shouldn't they know? I'm sure that they should. Um, we we just assume that that they have it figured out. But it's our responsibility to communicate. And I love how you said it, W I F M and W I F O. It's our responsibility to really communicate, over communicate, so that they. And I think keep on asking them, "What have I said? Do you know exactly what I'm expecting of you?" Until they can articulate it back to you in a way that's. Accurate. Well, the key is what you just said, I think, is to synthesize the WIFM and the synthesize with that with the WIFO. You have to do both to provide enough direction for them to move forward, both in the organization as an, and as an individual. And I think there's another very subtle thing here, like we talked about the subtle things with coaching. Uh, oftentimes, leaders get hung up on communicating about what's in it for the organization. And it's almost a sales pitch to the people that suggests that this is what uh, we need to do as an organization. And the people are sitting in the audience or on the podcast or however they're consuming this thinking, 
well, okay, I can get that, but is he interested at all or is she interested at all in what's in this for me? How do I engage myself in these organizational objectives? And is there a sensitivity to that on the part of the leader? And that's where the two together have to be playing uh, on one another, as Phil said. And it's an example of how the caring part of leadership comes through to the person. That is that is so powerful, and um, I just I just like I'm just thinking about how how we can so subtly just really think we're doing the right thing, but really we're actually using these leadership tools. <laughs> we're, the, we're in some ways I think we can be deceived thinking, oh, I'm I'm actually doing I'm really doing this to make you better. I'm doing this to serve you. I'm doing this to improve the team, but but really we're sort of using these things for mm-hmm. ourselves yes. ultimately. And we're not leading with care because we're not actually using them to improve the lives right. of the people we're, we're serving in our teams. And I think you guys are hitting the nail on the head by, by reminding us and really showing us what, what these things I think might have originally been intended for that somewhere along the line, we've lost it. Um, if I'm hearing you correctly. Your, uh, Fernando, your, your articulation of what's really at the core of this book is exactly the tone we're trying to hit here. Oh. <laughs> These things are not difficult, but people forget to do them. Yeah. And they forget to do them on the part of the people, and then you lose the engagement. You wonder why we've got 15% engagement. It's all this stuff we're talking about. The subtle stuff we're talking about. Brilliant. Okay, so that's the second one, and I think uh, we're all learning loads. What would be the last thing that you would say? I know there's many more in your book that I'm definitely I'm going to get my hands on because all of this I need to learn. But what would be the third thing that you guys would say? Well, the third thing that we uh, would say is important is to manage the pushback conversation. Uh, we call these conversations in the United States where you say uh, where you have. You have, you have uh, feedback between the employee and every man, uh, maybe the supervisor or the leaders. And, and a lot of times that conversation is not handled particularly well. In fact, one of the things that we've kind of has been a theme throughout this discussion with you, Fernando, is this what I would call uh, faux listening or faux, um, you know, pretend uh, caring and pretend uh uh, engagement. And, and what we discovered is, and, and it was quite frustrating in my world of the academic world, where there's a lot of what I call faux collaboration, where people would ask questions, but they would never attend to the answers to, to the questions. They would never change anything. And that's that's because the, the pushback conversation itself is not managed very well, or the feedback conversation is very well done very well. So uh, we we have a lot of uh, discussion in, in the chapter about that, literally how to handle that conversation in a way that is meaningful and sets expectations for the outcome of that uh, conversation. And the lack of skillful management of that probably undermines um, a perception and, and the real belief of, of engagement than anything else uh, that I can think of um, that, that occurs today in a modern organization. And, and I just... And I think and if I could add uh, to that, um, I think pushback or the 
the questions that employees or team members ask of their leaders or the seeming disagreement that they have, if they're brave enough to disagree, the seeming disagreement that they have comes across in terms of, well, I don't agree with what you're doing. I don't agree with your point of view. I have a different idea. And if the leader doesn't handle that well, he misses the opportunity to understand what that pushback could result in, in terms of potential improvement of the idea. And he takes it as an, or she takes it as an affront and a disagreement, and it can end up in an argument as opposed to getting the richness of the, the idea or the pushback out of the conversation to improve the situation. And it's another one of those subtle dynamics that we turn things into arguments when we ought to turn things into listening experiments where people can benefit from the outcome. I think that's, I think you're absolutely right. And I think this is one of the things that you're right. I think most leaders struggle with these pushback or feedback conversations. So really briefly, let's just pretend you're calling me in for a feedback conversation. How would you even just start it off? Because I think we already start them off on the wrong foot. Let Philip, let's say you're calling me or Bob, you're you're calling me in. I'm a young team team member on your team and you have some feedback. You have a pushback for me. How would you even start it to frame it to set the right tone? Well, well, let me tell you the first thing I always do in these pushback conversations, and that is tell them the parameters of what they can push back on. Because there are some things that you know, as a leader, like I'm in a, I'm in a classroom and I'd say, look, I have three or four options here. I'm not sure which one to go in. One option we're not going to pursue for X, Y, and Z reason, but these other options feel, you know, what, what, what's right or what's wrong with that. And let's have a robust discussion about that. So one of the things I've discovered in watching that is, you know, to what is the, what are the, the parameters of how much you can push back and how much wiggle room there is. So that's, that's number one. And then um, number two. Yeah, I would, I would say, uh, I mean, the first words that I would use is, okay, we've got this, this issue that's come up uh, in terms of a, a direction or a policy. Tell me what's on your mind about that. Just tell me what you think. And that may take a little coaxing uh, but you have to point out to the individual that this conversation is safe and you're truly interested in understanding what their point of view is and you're not uh, using words that would be confrontational or argumentative. You're just trying to actively listen to understand what they're saying. And then you would ask for their uh, respectful uh, behavior to let you talk about your own point of view and start that, get the, as, as much as you can, both points of view on the table and then start from there as, as, as the conversation continues. Yeah, I think it's really so helpful just setting the parameters and then um, just lining up what the actual issue is, not, not kind of like painting a picture, not being kind of subtle about it. Just saying, oh, well, this is the honest issue. And I would really just want to hear your opinion. But I think what's difficult for leaders is, genuinely at being able to listen i think sometimes we go to those conversations already having an idea of where we want to go in our mind and and actually using this as a again another tool to to get the person's buy-in because then they can say oh no 
they've asked for my opinion so we kind of use it as a tool oh I, i'm getting their their input but at the end of the day i'm still going to do what i've decided to do <laughs> and i think people can feel that and i um so i just think it's so helpful what you're saying to if you if there's an issue definitely listen to what they have to say come up tell them where your position is but be open to to change your your stance and not just take up all the space in the room in those conversations that's why we start the book the first chapter in the book is about embracing uncertainty and i think uh, what bob does as an excellent leader is that he embraces uncertainty i may be right i may be wrong uh, but i want to hear you know your position and that's why that core belief of embracing uncertainty and the richness that can come out of that is at the foundation of great listening and certainly goes back to managing the pushback conversation. You have to believe, you can't go in with the idea that I have all the answers and you have to be able to set up a climate. Uh, my view is that pushback conversations occur in a climate and the climate has to be one that is always embracing uncertainty and one in which you say, hey, I've been wrong in the past, I've been right in the past, but we're all going to get through this together. We talked about telltale signs, and we talked about telltale signs in this conversation. For a leader, a telltale sign is as you're trying to listen, if the little bird, I'll say the little bird in your subconscious, is trying to uh, formulate the rebuttal to what you're hearing before all the words are out of the person's mouth, you are not listening. That's absolutely brilliant. I think on that we can we can we can end we can end our conversation. I think I think it's been incredible to to really find out how to lead with care, um, creating the right coaching rhythms, robustly communicate the things that matter, and, and manage the pushback conversations and handling those conversations well. Thank you so much, uh, guys, for your time today, and and I hope that everybody listening is going to be able to buy the book Leading with Care in a tough world. Um, where can they contact you both? Well, we have a website for the book. It's called leadingwithcare.net. So our own personal information is on there. A lot of information about the book, uh, endorsements and videos and podcasts. As soon as your podcast gets aired, we'll have that on our website, Fernando. So it's a very rich website leadingwithcare.net. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, everybody. I hope you go to leadingwithcare.net. And thank you both once again for your time today. See you next time, everybody, on London's Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to see you next time. Remember to leave a review. Let me know what you think. And if you need help implementing anything we've discussed or you just want to say hello, feel free to email me at fernando at londonsleadershippodcast.com. Until next time, remember to live and lead with love every day.